Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Well, today we're talking about Joshua 13. Joshua 13, Israel has now removed the major military threats to their survival in Canaan, that land that God had promised them to give them, the land of Canaan. Now, Joshua, up until this point, he's been the most, I would say, the most victorious soldier in human history. (laughs) He's had all these victories, and that's because it was been driven by the Lord. But even at the best of us, age always catches up, doesn't it? You know, whenever we start getting older, we can't do the things we used to do. Uh, I'm somewhat starting to experience that myself. <laughs> I've got back issues and what all. And you know that old song, it's the old gray mule, she ain't what she used to be. Well, as you get older, you can relate to that. Because when you get older, you start to lose the abilities that you once had. And oftentimes, we're the last ones to notice it. And somebody else has to come along and tell us, hey, bud, you're getting older. It's time for you to make some changes, and then we have to accept that, and we hopefully can accept that with the right heart. Well, here in Joshua 13, God approaches Joshua and says, hey, you're old. It's time to make some changes. So let me start here in Joshua 13 and 1. It says, now Joshua's old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. And so I saw two interesting points in this. Most people look at the fact that the Lord has come to reassign Joshua to more fitting work. And when you see this verse, God is saying, dude, you're old, okay? And there's a lot of land yet to be taken. Now, God didn't say it like that. I'm just speaking in my Texan. (laughs) But in other words, it's Joshua, you're about to get a new role. You're getting old. You're old now. You can't keep fighting like you used to. Joshua's the the soldier. He draws swords and he commands battles and he gets out there with the guys and they did all this bloody conquest of God's wrath upon these sinful people, this judgment that God exercised through Israel. Joshua led all that. But when you get to an age of about a hundred years old or so, where Joshua's at, you can't do that anymore. In fact, Joshua's going to soon die at age 110 or so. But what I'd like to see in this section here is not just that God is about to reassign Joshua for a new role, but also the fact that Joshua has done much of the hard work until he was 100. I mean, the man's about 100 years old, and he's still out there fighting and doing all this stuff, right? You know, often when people retire themselves to an easier load, the mentality that sets in is this, well, I've done my part. Let some of these younger folks start pulling the bulk of the load, I I feel like I've done enough. You know, Joshua never felt like this. He pressed hard doing the tough stuff 
past of, or about to age 100. Now, I know that not everybody has the same physical stamina as other people do, but you should never come to a point where you consider yourself to be not useful in kingdom service. Also, you should never come to a place where you consider yourself done. I'm done. I'm finished. I've done everything. You know, Jesus never said it's finished until he died, at least in his earthly ministry, and he still works today. But for us, never say I'm done. Never say I'm not useful because you are not unuseful to God in the kingdom. Whether you're young, old, smart, or not so smart, God has a task suited just for you. I know people that have low confidence, low self-esteem. Well, I'm not as smart as you, Ray. Well, I'm, I'm not as educated as you, Ray. Or I, Ray, I'm not as this as you or that as you. Hey, don't compare yourself to me. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. When God assigns you a task, he suits it just for you, wherever you're at in the spectrum. Matter of fact, you possess gifts I don't have. I've been through Bible college, this, that, and the other. Yeah, okay, maybe you haven't. That's okay. God has gifted you with things I don't possess. So when God gives you an assignment or moves you from one assignment into another, don't consider it a demotion. Consider it God's reassignment because he has a task suited just for you at every stage of your life. You are always useful. I always like to say you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus has died on the cross to redeem you, and that's true. You know, there's always something you can still give, always. I remember hearing this story about this woman who always did heavy ministry work, and then she got ill with some kind of health problem, and then she got put in a home, and she couldn't take care of herself. People had to come help her in all these kind of ways, and she got depressed thinking, well, I I guess I can't do anything in the kingdom anymore. All these people have to come in and do everything for me. They have to cook for me, help me get dressed, everything. Until someone come and said, hey, you're not useless. You're teaching other people how to serve others. So let them serve you now. You're teaching them. And you still have something to give. You can still speak to them about what they're doing. And then this woman was suddenly just the spark came back on and she was alive again. It's like, yes, now I, I, I see my purpose here. You know, you always have something you can give at whatever stage you're in. You're always useful. You know, when you count yourself out before God does, then you steal away good leadership from others who have been watching your example, others who've been listening to you. Joshua never counted himself out before God called him out. And as a result, Israel has learned by watching Joshua. Israel has learned how to conduct themselves according to Joshua's example. So I just wanted to tell you just from that one little verse we read where God says, hey, Joshua, you're old, but there's still land yet to be divided out to be possessed. He's reassigning him. He goes, hey, you're old, but there's still work you can do. I just want to encourage you with that, with that one verse. Just keep it up. Keep going until God moves you. You've always got something to give. but. There's the other side of this coin, too, and it's often driven leaders. I'm the leader. I'm doing it. You know, I'm the military guy. I'm the commander. I take, I draw the sword, and I'm a good fighter, and I I won't be moved. Um, You get these driven leaders like this. They will resist change. You know, people do not like change. They hate change. They despise it. Let me get comfortable and leave me alone. And driven leaders will resist God's reassignment. 
And that can be damaging when God tells a leader to shift gears like he's about to do with Joshua here. I want us to realize the significance of this moment with Joshua so that we can learn to live our own lives like this when God comes to reassign us. You know, you're not done until God says you're done. And also, you are done when God says you're done. (laughs) I'm sure Joshua may have had a hard time hanging up his military career, hearing God say to him, hey, you're old now. You know, men don't like to hear, hey, I'm taking you out of field work and I'm putting you at an at an administrative desk job. They want to be out there where the action's at. But, you know, even at the desk job, the administrative role, there's still greatly important things that need doing that takes great leaders to know how to administer with experience. So don't take your reassignment as a demotion. If it comes from God, it's a promotion. You know, I can relate because I had a hard time with this in 2014. God told me it was time to leave my radio career that I was in. I had been in radio for about 20 years, not the DJ side of it. I was on the technical side. I'm not that good of a speaker, but I kind of wish I had the DJ developed voice, but that's not what I did. I, I was out in the field. I was at the tower sites. I was going out to the transmitters and I was going all over the place and working on radio communications. And it's not that I was old, but God said, it's time to hang up your career. It's time to hang up your career. And you know what? Shortly after I got out of that career, I started getting back trouble. And hey, God's timing was just great. Uh, Physically, I couldn't do that work anymore, but God moved me out. He knew when it was time for me to go. Now, the nice thing, though, about this move was that God had a new task to move me to a new role in ministry. And I'll admit, I was scared of it. I mean, the thoughts come flooding in. What if you mess up? What if you fail? What if you deliver something in a message that somebody hears it wrong or something and you ruin their life and all these crazy things entered my mind? And But I did have to come to terms that God said, I'm moving you. You're not moving yourself. And I left a 20-year career to go do full-time ministry. Hadn't been easy, but it has certainly been blessed. And it's still going on, what, four or five years now at this point in time. And uh, God has tremendously blessed the ministry. But he had that tailored for me to do. And so I had to stop with what if I fail or I don't like change or I'm doing so good where I'm already at. Hey, God's move is always better than what you can develop for yourself. And so I'm just trying to relate to Joshua here. He's He's been told by God, you're you're old now. Uh, this is uh, this fighting. Uh, Military stuff, that's uh, not for you anymore. (laughs) Joshua's about to walk away from everything he's ever known. He can't fight like he used to. But if God's hand is in it, then wherever he moves you is always better than where you were. So Joshua's about to get a promotion to do things that he can do better than anyone else. And remember, if God ever moves you, he's moving you because you can do it better than anyone else can. Just take his word for it and go. Now, as it says in the passage we read, it says, he said, God told him there are still areas of the promised land that still needs to be taken. And so Joshua is about to have to learn to adapt to new instructions of, about the land that has yet to be given out. I pray that we can do the same thing when the time comes that God calls us to make changes in our lives also to receive those new instructions and do with them as God tells us to. So anyway, now here in Joshua 13 and 2, he says, This is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines, 
and all that of the Geshurites from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border, as far as the border, if I can talk, as far as the border of Ekron northward, which is counted as Canaanite. Remember that it says which is counted as Canaanite. Remember that. The five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, I'm Texan, I'm struggling here, the Gittites, and the Ekronites, also the Evites from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Merah that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek to the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gebulites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise, from Baal, Gad, below Mount Hermon, as far as the entrance, as far as the entrance to Hamath, all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon, as far as the brook Mesrapoth, and all the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. Okay, so this is the land yet to be taken over. He describes it from south to north. Notice the note in verse 3 that I told you to remember, where it says, this is counted as Canaanite. That's our reminder about the curse of Canaan. It was an incident that you can read about in Genesis 9, where Noah cursed Canaan because Canaan severely violated, disrespected the authority of Noah. It was a bad deal. You can read that in Genesis 9. and now. All of Canaan's descendants live in the promised land area that Israel has been conquering, but that same woeful sin problem that was committed back in Genesis 9 is still with all these descendants. They're still willfully sinning like this. They're unrepentant. And so here's this curse that's still on Canaan. And God said, I'm going to drive them out. Like he said, I will drive these people out. Part of that curse of Canaan is they will be subject to the rest of Israel. So. He's reminding Joshua this curse of Canaan is still here, so don't worry. They're, they're going to be submissive to you, whether in battle or whatever you tell them. They're going to have to be submissive to Israel coming through the conquest. That's why Joshua's conquest was so victorious. The curse of Canaan was in the land that God was sweeping through, administering his judgment to these people that, after all this time, still never repented. By the way, while I'm here, not right now is a good time to get right with Jesus Christ. You can repent and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And it doesn't matter what has come down your family line. As a matter of fact, we've all inherited a sin problem from our forefathers. You can repent and say, Jesus, break this curse, and he will come in and do mighty wonders in your life. But for the people who do not understand this curse of Canaan, many people find Israel's bloody conquest to be overly brutal. I mean, God sent people in, wiped these people out, and they just can't understand. Well, my God would never order that sort of thing. Well, the God you invented would not. I'm inviting you into the word of God to get to know the God of Israel. We have to realize that this willful sin of Canaan is still being on by these Canaanites, an entire culture of people. And so when Israel entered the land, and saw the corrupt and detestable things that these Canaanites were doing, God said, take them out. This made Israel's bloody conquest to be righteous judgment upon the Canaanites. You know, I think a lot of Americans are missing the concept that God will judge sin. 
And in our culture today, everybody's saying, hey, what used to be sin, what the Bible says was sin, that's not sin anymore. Go ahead and do it. It's all right. Sin away. Have fun. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? No. God's going to judge it. And if you don't repent of it and get out from under that, and under the blood of Jesus Christ, you will be subject to that judgment along with that sin. That's why you need to get under the blood of Christ so that the punishment goes upon Jesus instead of coming upon you. And so this seemingly insignificant note there in verse 3, where it says, where it says, this is counted as Canaanite. It's really a big point that God is making here because God is informing Joshua, there is still yet judgment to be taken out on a willfully sinful people who are under curse. Remember, Joshua, this is counted as Canaanite. Joshua knows about the curse of Canaan, and he knows his work to his advantage, to his blessing for Israel coming in and taking over the land. And God is saying, hey, remember all this land yet to be conquered? It's still counted as Canaanite. You know, God is assuring Joshua, hey, it's going to be okay. I've got this. I will take care of it. As a matter of fact, he said it in verse 6, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel. And then you divide it to Israel as an inheritance. Isn't it nice to have the assurance of God, to be with God, to be under the blood of Jesus Christ instead of not under the blood of Jesus Christ? Because if you're not under the blood of Christ, you're under curse. You can't expect anything good. Get under the blood of Christ today. Because God has to judge sin. He has to and he will. Because he is a just judge. And just because it's a a sin that was committed a long time ago, let's say you've done something way, way back, and you're like, oh, well, that was a long time ago. God's forgotten about that. No, God doesn't forget. He's not going to say, well, that was a long time ago. I'll just let it slide. Or or the times are different now. We have a a new evolved sense of being these days. Yeah, okay, so that was sin back in the Old Testament. Oh, it's not sin anymore. Okay, I'll let you go. No, it doesn't work like that. This curse of Canaan began back in Genesis, way back in Noah's time, and God is still remembering that unrepentant sin, even in Joshua's time. And he tells him, this area of land is counted as Canaanite. Friends, for us today, we are all sinners. I don't want to have any illusions about me being any better than anybody else. We're all sinners, including me, especially me. And God will judge sin. Even if you've gotten away, with it for many, many years, like these Canaanites that God is referring to, that he's about to exercise judgment to. God's not going to overlook that sin just because it happened a long time ago. Sin brings a curse, and it brought a curse on all of us, and it has to be judged. God will not let it slide, ever. If you've given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, then your sin penalty gets transferred up off of you, and over onto Jesus Christ at the cross, where God has taken out his righteous judgment upon Jesus so that his wrath falls upon Christ instead of falling upon you. Jesus paid for it there at the cross, so it can be taken out on him instead of you. This is why Jesus is the only way to be saved, because no one else is strong enough to go through the fierceness of God's wrath and still be able to get up again. Jesus got back up again. Did you know that? They buried him. Okay, three days. He's back up. He rose again. And because he rose again, if you're in him, you will rise again with him. But make no mistake, if you 
have sin that has not been dealt with upon Christ. If you have sin that you have not repented of and said, Lord, I walk away from it. I repent of it and forgive me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying in my place. And if you don't let that sin go upon Christ, it will be dealt with upon you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm being real. This is the gospel. Right now is a good time to get right with Jesus. Get out from under the curse of sin and get under the blood of Christ. These Canaanites in Joshua 13 that God is explaining, the remaining land yet to be taken, they are still, these Canaanites are under curse, scheduled for the Lord's wrath. I don't want you to be scheduled for the Lord's wrath. That's why you need to get under the blood of Christ. But this is also why the Lord reminds Joshua in verse 3, these are counted as Canaanite. This is why the Lord reminds Joshua in verse 3, these are all counted as Canaanites because God is seeing to it that all due judgment gets fully executed upon the guilty. Well, you know, let me pause a second and say, isn't it good to be saved by Jesus? (laughs) I mean, what a great gift. Isn't God so good to us? You know, we deserve this condemnation. We deserve the penalty. We deserve the wrath because we earned it. We actually put in the work the work necessary to achieve it, to provoke God's wrath. But we should thank Jesus for saving us, to offer salvation, to die in our place. And so now back to Joshua, the Lord is showing him the land yet to be conquered, conquered by righteous judgment upon the willfully sinful. And then he tells Joshua how to divide that land out to the tribes of Israel that God promised would receive it. Now, real quick, before we move on, I want you to Consider how valuable Israel is. This is the nation of Israel we're learning about here. Joshua and the Israelites, how God has demonstrated his salvation and judgment to us through history, the history of Israel. And we're very in love with Israel at Calvary Chapel, Pearland. So Joshua 13 and 8. With the other half tribe, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them. From Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the town that is in the midst of the ravine, and all the plain of Mediba, as far as Debon, all the cities of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, as far as the border of the children of Ammon, Gilead, and the border of the Geshurites and Machathites, all Mount Hermon, and all Bashan as far as Salca, all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned with Ashtaroth and Edri, who remained of the remnant of the giants, for Moses had defeated and cast out these. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites, or the Machathites, or the Ge- but the Geshurites and the Machathites dwell among the Israelites until this day. Now, we're not given any biblical reason why they didn't drive those people out, but it does say they dwell with Israelites until this day. Okay, so now we can see that Joshua was set up in leadership to resume the work from Moses after Moses died. Moses died, and then Joshua steps in place. He gets put in place of leadership. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.